0: The Film and TV Show is part of Scene, an independent network of uniquely British podcasts that's always growing. Check out BritPodScene.com or follow Scene on Twitter to find out more.
1: Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy ride. Films.
2: TV. TV. TV, TV shows. TV. film, TV. Film TV show. TV, film TV. Film
1: TV film, TV. Film television. Film TV film TV, film TV. film TV. Film TV. I love this film. Hello, good evening and welcome to the Film and TV show with me, Richard S. on this uh, much darker than usual Monday. It's really odd. Yeah, it's, it's super dark. It's yeah, it's really, really weird that it's got dark so quickly. Like it wasn't this dark last week.
0: No, it was just like Sunset when we were coming out?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's really yeah, it's odd. Um but yes, anyway, hello, good evening. Um Alex is with me as you can hear. But he is so out of breath there was a car accident, he couldn't get to the station and he's then just, just run, ran here. run across the car park. <laughs> That's fine. Not a problem. So, yeah, so so today we're going to talk about Max Landis. Um, uh, For those of you who don't know who Max Landis is, he is a supremely talented screenwriter, producer, executive producer, um, and he's remarkably young as well, which is ridiculous. Mm. But what I want to do, first of all, is to just talk about the weekend that we've had, because this weekend, just gone... We had Feel the Force Day. It was super awesome. Which was super awesome. And we just want to kind of talk about um, about the impact of Feel the Force Day and kind of what's happened and, uh, and everything as well. Because it's just, yeah, it, it was superb. So um, for those of you that don't know what Feel the Force Day is, it is a fully inclusive Comic-Con here in Peterborough that's done by... Um, Two amazing guys, JJ and Simon, and yeah. uh, very good friends of us, very good friends of the show and the podcast. And um, you can listen back to the show a couple of weeks ago that we did with them yeah, uh, in prep for it, which was really cool. Uh, and they basically just... Uh, they do it at Kingsgate, which is just round the corner from where we are. Well, not round the corner, but it's not far. It's like five minutes from where we are. Yeah, it's just onto the dual MP. carriageway yeah. to wind up for the accidents. Yeah. <laughs> um, and... Yeah, it's just it, it was just an amazing day. We did some filming, so we did filming mm. of some interviews I did with some of the guests that were there, which was totally amazing. It was great to catch up with a couple of them as well that I see quite regularly, mm. uh, and that are that, <laughs> that all
0: really down to earth.
1: Yeah, they are, they are, and friends with near enough all of them on Facebook, which was really awesome. So it was good to catch up, but. For me, I mean, I did it last year, so I, last year it had more of a, a massive impact. This year had a huge impact on me in a much different way, but it was your very first time, wasn't yeah. it, doing Field of Force Day?
0: It hit me a lot more um, emotionally than I thought, and uh, definitely when I got home and started speaking about it and like the things that I'd observed and um, just generally the atmosphere uh, itself was, uh, I don't want to say emotionally draining, but it I felt drained after it.
1: Yeah, I I literally felt so, so yeah. I, I I did feel drained. I was drained, but in a good way. It was in a it was in a great way. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I it didn't open till eleven. Uh, closed at I think like five. I left at sort of half past four time. Mm. So, um, but had a had a good nosy round and. Know, chat to people, selfies, live videos. Because we took over the Facebook page as we did last year as well. <laughs> so, so we took over the Facebook page, and I did all the live videos so that people who couldn't make it can at least, at least so- see, see a little bit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I did, I did four of those, and also did a couple of smaller ones as well, which was great. And yeah, it was just so that those who couldn't come could could see and feel. I mean, there was a, a montage that was done not uh, on the screen on the main screen. And their very first con in 2013 had 400 people across mm. the day. Saturday there was over 7,000 people throughout the day.
0: It it felt like it as well. It was crammed at some points. Yeah, it not was a, absolutely. Yeah, m- it was just really busy.
1: Yeah, but it was great because it was there was so much more there this year. And Simon and JJ mm. totally outdid themselves. But it's not just Simon and JJ. I do have to say that that Gail Simon's wife and Claire oh, JJ's wife just really brilliant. Yeah, I job. mean. Yeah, all the all, all the cadets, all of the volunteers. Yeah. It's brilliant. And do you know what? For four pound for an entry ticket, so cheap. It's just ridiculous. Like,
0: I mean, I honestly feel as though there must be a con in there somewhere, but it's not. And no. It's a, it's a genuine, ironically, a con convention. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> but no, genuinely, it's like for me, it's uh, beaten some MCM Londons. Yeah. I
1: mean, that's uh, what you is, said to me, wasn't yeah. it? When when you got there before it even opened, well, it, you you were stuck in the queue to get in before it even yeah. opened, um, and I come out and got in. You and you just said, "This is just mad. This is like mm. this is better than MCM London, which is is it, saying something because yeah. you know MCM is is massive. It is a juggernaut. But the
0: way, the way I think about it is like MCM London is. <sighs> not not to put it down or anything but it's basically a giant shopping convention now uh it you you just walk around there for hours and hours your feet hurt and you just buy stuff that you don't really need or want um you occasionally see some really good guests there but they always charge an arm and a leg to do uh you know to ask any questions or just to approach the place uh, let alone photos and autographs and like you go to uh feel the force day and it's got everything including some quite big stars uh just you know giving out autographs and you know they're still charging but not to the insane degree as uh, yeah. some of the
1: comic cons yeah that's because they don't get given a, they don't get paid up front mm. money they're there because they want to be there yeah. and i i remember chatting to spencer wilding after we did our interview and he was just kind of sitting down and i was like how's it going spence and he said do you know what he said, it's been pretty quiet, but he said, I wouldn't have it any other way. He said, just seeing everybody yeah. and them coming to talk to me. And he said, it's just, this is just something else. This is... And he was battling from
0: illness as
1: well yes. recently. Yeah, so. yeah. He's come back from Guatemala and he's got picked up a couple of bugs and whatnot. So he, mm. yeah, he wasn't feeling too fresh. Um, so so. He,
0: he seemed like he was having a great time as well.
1: Yeah. And I think they all were, to be perfectly honest. And it, it was, would,
0: Yeah, it's it's just crazy and like a lot of people when you go to other conventions and things they're taking it in their stride you don't really feel much of a buzz of excitement or uh any sort of real atmosphere but this one was like insane it was electrifying yeah yeah it was uh, it's for four pounds as well i honestly feel like i'm stealing from them
1: yeah but but They're not in it to to make loads Mm. of money. They just want to be able to give people a good time. Yeah. And that's what Simon said is it's all about having a good time and he wants people. And like he said, you know, it's to some people it's the best day of their lives. Yeah. Till the fourth day. And you know what? Next year, they've already released a date for next year. Saturday, Mm. fifth of October, twenty nineteen. Tickets are on sale now. Go and buy them. Go and get tickets now. It's four quid.
0: Just Book it in advance. Make sure you got the day off next year and just go. It yeah, doesn't take hardly anything. It's here local in Peterborough as well. Of all places, they chose Peterborough, which I'm so thankful for.
1: Yeah, but even even so, there was people that I was talking to that have come from Cornwall, yeah, Scotland. There was even a lady from America, yeah, that come over with her son, and I was chatting to her. She flew over from America just for feel the force day.
0: You know what? I think honestly, calling it a convention uh, doesn't do it enough service. I think it's yeah. more like a celebration.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and, and I, th- I think that's probably that's probably right. You've hit the nail on the head there. I yeah. think it is more of a celebration of inclusion um, and uh, and equality for those that can't go to yeah. to normal conventions because they're not they're not catering for for those with um, visual and auditory disabilities or mm. even. You know those who can't, who, who can't, who aren't able-bodied. You know, I mean, I saw, I was speaking to someone, and they said uh, they asked if there was um, a bed with a hoist so that they could change their son. Yeah, and there was, there yeah. was a bed with a hoist to allow those who were in uh, in, in wheelchairs or in beds to mm. to go and change and and keep their dignity. Yeah which was just utterly phenomenal. I mean, the cosplaying was immense. And
0: there's another thing about the cosplay and everything. Like, um, as I was going around and the the interactions between the cosplayers and the and sort of uh, everyday, like the guests, i I'd yeah. call them guests, like the interactions between them was a lot more uh, warming, uh, welcoming, just generally way more accepting than if you do go to other places a lot of the times i feel like cosplayers are just there only to outdo each other and it's more of a competition for them to show off and be the center of attention whereas this it really felt like they were just here dressed up as something uh, whatever it may be Uh, and we saw some pretty damn impressive ones yeah and the fact that they were like taking the time to interact with everybody there having photos with everyone not being sort of sarky or rude or anything like that. It was just, generally, the level of professionalism across the entire board is insane.
1: Yeah, I mean, like you say, the, the interaction between the cosplayers um, was just phenomenal. It, you know, that they were happy to sit and pose for pictures, they were happy mm. for um, for attendees to, to touch and to yeah. feel their costumes and, and just everything. I mean, but it's not even that. You had... Um, y- there was also, like, entertainment on the stage. You mm-hmm. had the um, the official parody song that that, that, <laughs> that JJ, JJ did, did, which we oh. played as well. Um, <laughs> but seeing the lyrics up on stage and seeing JJ sing it properly was... You realise just how much
0: absolute rubbish he's saying, but yeah. Yeah, but it actually <laughs> it
1: sounds pretty cool. It is. It sounds really, really cool. And, and, you know, a lot of thought went into the lyrics. I know it was just, yeah. like, ra- words of shows and whatnot, but... It still had a had a meaning which was brilliant. Yeah. And that just encapsulates everything. I mean, with JJ and Simon on on stage, you can see just what it means to them mm. being able to to give that to people. And it's just it's just phenomenal. Those two guys are immense. And I said in the interview I did with Simon that they deserve to be recognized. Yeah. Definitely. So for anybody out there listening, please send Emails it, or who, those
0: people that attended feel the Force Day send like a thank you or like yeah whatever. just
1: just, just some, I mean they, they do anyway well, the yeah, amount of the yeah, amount of the love amount being of given on the Facebook page is crazy because I still have access to it so the amount of love that's coming on in, on the Facebook page is absolutely crazy my phone doesn't stop mm. at all I mean it's pinging now like <laughs> constantly pinging where people are I his name uh, a commenting and and everything else but what I really really like is that. I come home and I'm driving home and I'm I'm just kind of taking everything in and my phone's going off, off and I'm just assuming that it's, uh, it, it's the Facebook page, but mm. it's it's not. I've got the guests like the celebrities sending me friend requests. Mm. I've got um, cosplayers who I've had photos taken with sending me friend requests yeah. because they found me via JJ. Um, they've also seen me do the live videos and everything else. So I think I must have had about. Fifty friend requests from <laughs> Look it. Look at you,
0: Mister Popular. It's I all know, about you. I <laughs> know, right? I know.
1: But but the great thing is, is that these are now people who who have that shared love for Feel the Force mm. Day, and it's relationships that you can you can build and you can um, you can nurture.
0: And I, I can understand now from going there once. I can understand how it's built up so quickly. Yeah, because people don't just go once. Like, I, I want to go back, like, tomorrow if I could. Yeah, yeah. If it was, like, on for three weeks, I'd, I'd go back each time. Yeah. Um, But, like, I can understand why people are, can't wait to the next one. I can understand why guests keep coming back, yeah. like, all the stars and everything, because it's just a, such a good atmosphere. And, like, I would... If I never did any sort of event again, I would still want to do
1: that one every year. Yeah. It's just got a completely different feel, and I can't... I can't stress enough that it's all well and good us sitting here saying how great yeah. it was, but there are no words that can articulate the impact it has yeah. on on you as a person. For me, I come away so humbled again mm-hmm. by the love and the generosity and the um, the friendliness and just the openness of people, cosplayers, volunteers, guests, yeah. attendees, it was great. I got stopped so many times from people who saw the video in the morning and were like, oh, you did the video on the Facebook. I was like, mm. yeah, they're like, thank you for showing us what it's like and for encouraging us to come down earlier. I was like, no, it's, it's fine, yeah. you know, but they just randomly stopped me, which is, which is great. And, it's, I mean, it's not about me. I, I do it because I love going there and I yeah. love doing it and and I wanted to to do everything I could for the guys to help. Spread the word because mm. you know, next year they could push eight, nine thousand people. And just just to obviously everyone
0: that's listening, like it could sound a little bit disingenuous in the way that we're, you know, we're absolutely raving about it. The fact that we had uh, two guests on that were running it before, they might think like we're just trying to sell it because that's, uh, you know, it's like what we do for
1: friends. Yeah, but it, it, it's not in our interests. I can say is, right now,
0: I don't know Simon and JJ personally. Um, Not very well. I've met them like twice now, or twice or three times. I'm not doing this to like help them out or give them uh, do a favour for anyone. That place is literally the best place I've been to in terms of a convention for years. Yeah, and I just want to put that out to anyone that's listening. We're not being, uh, we're not just trying to sell it to you. We are trying to recommend it to you to go and actually do something that will change your. uh, I would definitely say that it changes outlooks. Yeah. Um, it definitely changed mine. It made me so humble.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and and that's what it's about, you know. But it's not just for those with um, with disabilities. It's mm. for everybody. That's the whole reason why it's yeah. an inclusive Comic Con. It's for everybody. You don't have to be a carer to go. It it's open to anybody, and and that's the one exactly. one thing that I think is the misconception about it. And and you know, like you said, we're not. Um, in any way, shape, or form, um, benefiting from the Comic Con, we do it because we we love doing it. We love the Comic Con. We love what it stands for. We love JJ and Simon uh, for everything that they do. Um, and for me, it's more it, it's more seeing the happiness mm. on everyone's face. Yeah, that that really and it puts it puts everything into perspective.
0: And it's clear that. That both jj and simon uh, they listen to people as yeah. well um i think it was just today that they put up things like saying what do you want to see next year yeah and things like that and it's you you don't get that interaction with any other place no you you can't just simply say oh you know what would be cool something like live music or something yeah
1: you Which can is, do that. I mean, they had dance troops they had um uh, ventriloquist they had choir wasn't it uh, yeah yeah like- ch- children's choir they had um, young uh, drama people putting on a small performance
0: no they definitely had a sing- uh, singing choir because we were trying to do yes. an outro <laughs> yeah we
1: were trying to do an outro and and it was so good it was and you just can't help but stop mm. So, um, but yeah, we did do we did do the interv- some interviews, and they are available. They are available on the Field of Force Day Facebook page, which is at Field of Force Day. They are also available on the Harrywood Radio yep. Facebook page as well. Um, so go and have a look at them, but also look at the live videos as well. I would urge mm. you to look at the live videos from Saturday on the Field of Force Day website um, or Facebook page, because it will really give you a. a an understanding of just how busy it was but it was constant even at like 4:30 mm. there was still so many people around so many people around it was just <laughs> utterly amazing so um but yeah you know do go and have a look at the videos do go and look at the interviews as well because it's it's actually quite quite nice to to see the the celebrity guests Definitely. talking about how it impacts on them and what they think about it, and how mm. it's different from other cons that they go to. And it's just, overall, it, it's a day for everybody. And, and it is a day, because you can do so much. You know, you can stop and have a coffee. You can do the the horror room photographs, mm. learn Jedi training. There was a VR thing. There was Jedi, a VR so. gaming thing in yeah. there as well, which was awesome. You had um, like Punch and Judy. You had a the, the Wonder Circus were doing training on how to do... Stunts from the circus. Yeah. Um. You had all the uh the shops. You had SFX as well. Someone doing SFX, which was great. There were the cars outside, which unfortunately it was raining, so not. I don't think many people actually went to see them. Which was I the saw shop. them. They were really cool. Um. Yeah, but, but you were stuck out in the. Queue. But I was freezing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But but that's exactly what it is. You know, they have so much there to do, and because of where it is in the Kingsgate Centre, you have. It is like a, like a theatre. It basically is like a theatre. It's like an evangelistic church as mm. such, where you've got the tiers of seats that go up the back. And people were just sitting there, eating, listening to the entertainment, watching the guests, watching the cosplayers, yep. and just generally having a great time. I mean, the amount of other videos that I've seen being tagged in from the Field of Force they've been tagged in is just phenomenal. Mm. Honestly, there's just so many um so so yeah do get tickets for next year um i'm already on it for next year to go back and do the same again because i'll be coming with like you say it's the one the one day of the year comic-con wise i'm actually really excited about yeah and really want to be involved in so if you want to be involved as either a volunteer or if you want to do the disneyland paris marathon runs that they do um and i have to say that the medals are Amazing! Oh, I haven't like, seen like that. The ma- they, they, they had them out there. The, ma- the marathon one this year that they did, um, you know they were talking about it? Yeah. Simon and JJ were talking about it. Well, they did it like a week later on and it was a massive Thanos
0: oh, cool. medal
1: nice. as, like, to do the marathon around Disneyland Paris. So you can do that as well, which is run for Field of Force Day. Um, and actually a couple of people did sign up to do it because they really wanted to get involved. So that's awesome. So you mm. can... You can do that. There's so many ways that you can be involved, either as a volunteer or as a stall holder, if you want to sell your wares, exactly, or yeah. if you just, um, you know, you want if you're in the entertainment business and you want to come and do something, you can. If you want to be a guest, if you're a cosplayer, you know, yeah, if you're a cosplayer, absolutely come. If you are one of our um, friends of the shows on the podcast who work in the film industry and you want to go as a, as a guest. Then, then get get in touch. Mm. Let us know, and we'll put you in the right direction. Because it's just honestly, you won't you'll just love it. Honestly, it's just it it is fantastic.
0: I even spoke to people in regards to like the hobbying aspect that I have in my own personal life. Yeah, just because I was so interested in how people were uh, were able to create such amazing costumes and uh, props and everything like that, and it's just I can spend hours talking about that anyway. The
1: the Grampus. Yeah. I mean that was just amazing yeah i mean that that alone was uh was was brilliant i mean we saw um there was a young girl who was dressed as um ripley in the the yellow machine and there was an alien following her behind i mean that was brilliant i mean Mm. honestly there was uh i wonder how many hours it took for her to build
0: that that, i have no idea even if it was just like cardboard cardboard or or whatever whatever. still took would take Ages absolutely well yeah because Builder it's got thing. to
1: all be one piece full, yeah. yeah um there was a, a johnny five from short circuit there
0: oh, that was insane that wasn't that just two mad? years it took him to build that yeah
1: but it was two fully years. working yeah. it had it had a soundboard chip inside mm-hmm. so it did the johnny five yeah all, things the, uh, as well. all the quotes and everything yeah which was brilliant the, do you know what we're going to stop now. Yeah. But so go on, just, just go on the Field of Force Day Facebook page at Field of Force Day. Mm. Go and find the videos and have a look for yourself, and look at all the pictures that people are, are sticking on there mm. and tagging it in because it's just phenomenal. It really is. Um, and in uh, in memory of that, they did have the uh, the Blues Brothers there. Yeah. Who were, they? Were cool, and they did a whole. They did. They <laughs> did like what six songs? I think they did. Blues Brothers songs so So, um, because of that I am going to we're going to play this song and then we'll be back i yeah. yeah. So that's the Blues Brothers with Aretha Franklin uh I think, which is a great song. So um let's get on to what we were gonna do. We spent half the time talking about <laughs> Field of Force Day. Yeah. But do you know what? Honestly, I don't care. No, because it's it's worthy of having that amount of time for us talking about it. Um but the main part of the show is obviously talking about Max Landis, yeah. so um who most of you probably will sort of know the name probably Maybe. won't know but you would have seen his films and tv shows that he's been involved in so like mm. Dirk gently he's been quite involved in yeah uh chronicle which was a very strange film um which was but it's still a great i actually really enjoyed chronicle i thought it was really good
0: yeah it was it was different certainly it took the found footage aspect uh film in a completely different way, yeah. It was rather
1: like than standard horrors, yeah. It was like Cloverfield and Blair Witch, but for superheroes, superheroes basically, yeah, yeah, which was really, really clever. Mm. Um, but the guy's only 33 years old. I was expecting yeah. him to be like 40 or 50, he's, uh, that... 30, he's younger than me,
0: yeah. He's older than me, though, <laughs> yeah. But he's younger than me, he's yeah. but
1: he's obviously clearly super talented.
0: He's also got his father is a
1: director. So, uh, well, yeah, I suppose you know,
0: like I think his name's John Landis. It's, yeah, I'd imagine yeah. so. Yeah, it's not. It's not He's what an American you know. film director.
1: It's not what you know it's who you know, isn't it? Let's be honest. But it, th- that's beside oh. the point. John
0: Landis directed National Lampoon's Animal House and The Blues Brothers. Oh, really? An American Werewolf in Paris. Uh, sorry, in London, um, Trading Places, through Amigos, Coming to America, and Beverly Hills Cop. Check oh. that out for his dad's uh, scr- uh, resume. Yeah, so uh, his father is quite. A, um <laughs> quite well known quite well known even though I didn't know um well not not completely off the top of my head but yeah he's he's the son of uh, John Landis and you can definitely see that some of that whether it was talent uh genetic talent or whether it was just uh um being you know raised in a in a home that's uh, surrounded by film uh, that he's obviously picked up on some things and uh yeah he's he's doing a really good job In terms of uh, the movies that he's written, produced, directed, things like that, and he seems like he's not sort of uh, he's not trying to pigeonhole himself in anything specifically as well. No, well you've got. I mean,
1: American Ultra that was quite. See, that was a film that I think got a lot of stick, but actually it was quite clever because it plays on the um, the old Cold War fear mongering that there were hidden agents, Mm. hidden Russian Russian agents. That would be activated using specific code words, etc. You know, after being trained and mind altering, a yeah. bit like the Winter Soldier, really in, yeah. um, in in Marvel, and it plays on that. That it's it's just so. It, I, I thought it was quite clever, actually. I quite enjoyed that. I mean, Victor Frankenstein was a good film. Um, good I also a-
0: good actors in there, so, yeah, yeah, very,
1: very good actors
0: in there, and it was a nice different take on the actual story. It humanises the characters rather than yeah consistently focusing on the monster
1: yeah well that's because everyone thinks of frankenstein they think of uh they think frankenstein is it, the monster it's but not, it's it's not. The doctor. yeah frankenstein is the doctor the monster is frankenstein's monster yeah and that's that's always been lost in translation and i'll put my hands up and say Do you know what i always thought that the monster was called frankenstein yeah so uh, you know
0: for a long time so did i so it's, it's just one of those things that the monster is more famous than the creator Yeah. But they called it after the creator. So maybe it was just the bad
1: naming. (laughs) Yeah, probably. Um, Uh, Bad naming of the movie. Um, Yeah. But, I mean, you've got... uh, Let's have a Hare. I remember watching Hare when that first came out. Mr. Wright was funny. It Uh, was funny. That was really good.
0: And it stars my favourite actress at the moment. Anna Kendrick. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, come on. It's Anna Kendrick. Yeah, of course. You know. Um, And then Bright, the most recent one. But that has received... You know, not well. That's that's received what I would like. Definitely, say is mixed reviews.
1: See, I don't see how because it's a very clever film. I it. I mean, it did take. There are some serious did, issues in there. Yeah, I mean, Let's, it did. It did feel like a a complete rip off of your modern day cop type
0: shows. Yeah, if you've seen uh, the director of it, I can't remember the director's name of Bright. I'm just bringing that up now. Um, Directed by David Ayer, he did End of Watch. And I it's think. very much like End of, it yeah, was end of Watch. It extremely like End of Watch. was of Watch was brilliant. Was the problem.
1: Jake Gyllenhaal is amazing yeah. in that film. Yeah. He, amazing.
0: I think David Ayer did End of Watch fantastically. And the problem is Bright is so close to End of Watch, but with a fantastical element, that a lot of people end up comparing the two, and Bright
1: just doesn't compare at all. No, I mean, it's very much... Do you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of Alien Nation. And I think, yeah, And yeah, I think okay. I remember reading somewhere that um, that Max Landis grew up watching the Alien-ish, likes of Alien Nation yeah. and V, and kind of thought, "Well, do you know what? Let's take that idea and mix it with that and do a tweak." Obviously, he did the screenplay for it and the, the script writing for it. So
0: I don't think it was his best work, personally, in my opinion. Um, there no, are, it wasn't. I mean, I, there I a lot actually big plot holes in there.
1: Yeah, but you could pick any film and you'd find plot holes in any in any film. It's just generally when you when you're
0: talking about alternative universes and things, it's easier to do a um Tolkien or a George R R Martin and basically put it in a completely different setting in a completely different universe, not even call it Earth, not even use uh specific names and places because as soon as you do, you start getting into alternate time theories and Uh, Various different things that just wouldn't make sense, especially with this sort of randomized element that's thrown in. Yeah. Um, And I think for all its faults, right, has a good idea. It just doesn't come through with it in the end Mm. because I feel like it it went from a gritty cop movie into The Last Witch Hunter with Vin Diesel at the end. Oh, God. You know know what I mean, though? It went straight into cheesy mode halfway through and then suddenly it lost all of its, like, uh, gravitas, almost.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, and and I think he's. I don't know. I think he maybe rushed the ending when yeah. he was when he was it could have script writing been, it.
0: Like with with the script writers, you know, they. Uh, it's not necessarily um, Max Landis who would have finished it. It may not have been the initial draft that he gave to them because more often than not these scripts will be passed from person to person they'll be amended and changed so we don't actually know without max landis's uh, like original copy how much they changed uh, what they fiddled with to make it
1: well he did the screenplay for bright yeah. so he took the source material and turned it into oh, he did the, the actual screenplay so he did the, than actual, just the writer yeah so he actually did the screenplay so okay. he took he took the original story and, and adapted it for uh okay so for this film. is this is mainly max's fault so this <laughs> is mainly max's fault but then he's 33 years old he's all, he's spent i would imagine the majority of his life in and around film sets because mm. of his dad i would i'm, I, I'm, I would I'm making i'm making that assumption from the, um from the sort of previous work that he's done
0: it seems like it comes across as though it's from a much older person and the yeah. only way i could say that is if he was, as a young boy, with his father on set. It would make sense then. Um, Because he does have an extraordinary talent um, for coming up with these stories and these ideas. Uh, So he's obviously got a fantastically creative mind. um, And I think he's uh, a lot... Well... uh, The way uh, that I've seen him mostly portrayed over media and things, because he's quite... um, He's quite up on his social media. He likes to go on YouTube on different channels and like give his opinions. And he does um, this thing called movie fights quite a lot, yeah. where he goes on and like argues different opinions and things. And, he's very outspoken. Oh, he's extremely outspoken, and like, he he's kind of the, it's a marmite following that he's got. You either yeah. love him, love him, or you hate him.
1: But then that's what makes him such an interesting person because he's
0: an outspoken screenwriter. Yeah, yeah,
1: he's out. He's an outspoken screenwriter in. Uh, in a Hollywood land where... Screenwriters just aren't listened to. Well, not mainly. just that. It's a, if you have a differing opinion from the status quo, mm. you are ostracised and you are basically pushed under the bus, effectively.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's just one of those things where, uh, like him or hate him, you have to admit that the ideas he does come up with, they may not necessarily always be 100% perfect all the time but they're definitely unique. You cannot fault him for uh, coming up with ideas. Uh, I I've followed him quite a bit in order to like listen to him and gain ideas because I like to write as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of the some of the uh, ways that he even just sells a product, uh, you can understand why people buy his scripts is because there is an aspect to him that's a salesman rather than just a a uh, writer.
1: Yeah, and I think that that forms part of the the screenwriter's mm. role within the the hierarchy of films I would imagine, you know, is it ultimately you want to sell your product. And that's exactly what a screenplay is. It's a product yeah. that you have to pitch to directors or to uh, film studios or anything like that. I mean, can you imagine the um the conversations he had with Netflix to get Bright Oh, I can
0: imagine a lot. Um, it, the amount of money he must have... Well, he's not really the producer, he's not really the director, but the director or producer getting that script would have had to have argued their arse off to try and get that sort of funding because it is not an easy thing to say, I want to costume, like, 30 to 40 people, uh, I want to add, like, uh, these uh, fantasy elements, so I'm going to need, like, SFX again. Yep. Uh, and all this lot, and... and the
1: amount of CGI in that as well was yeah ridiculous. There was, there was as more well. CGI than
0: probably necessary at points. Um, but... There was more CGI in there
1: than a Michael Bay film. <laughs> no, I don't. No, think that, that's not possible. <laughs> no, it's not possible. Have you seen Transformers? <laughs> I have, and and if and and if the rumours are true, and he's going Thundercats as his next big franchise, then we can expect a shit ton more to be fair I want to talk about
0: Michael Bay on another episode we can because, do yeah we can do that because I think he's he's fully aware that he creates crap by the way like, yeah, it's not when,
1: all crap though he just regurgitates it he makes longer than
0: like pop movies like it's the pop of it's uh, the pop equivalent yeah. yeah the
1: pop music equivalent of movies of movies yeah it's yeah I, I get like, what you mean yeah. it's
0: almost like popcorn movies technically it's mm. kind of the same thing yeah but Maybe. yeah people go to watch it because to be entertained yeah and i think that's, that's it you just, or to just watch Michael Bay. Shit get blown up
1: yeah because <laughs> that's what happens a lot but yeah but it's but in terms yeah, of yeah there is a, there is a lot of cgi in, in bright which you would expect from the type of film that it is because that's exactly the type of film that it is so mm. you would expect it
0: and netflix wanted it to succeed uh more than it did um, and i'm not sure whether they're bringing out a sequel to bright there was uh, there was talk of it was talk of bright 2 and 3 um to make it a trilogy i think uh if we'll see that you know who knows but um i think yeah there was there's positives and negatives to that and hopefully we'll see a bit more um from max landis um there is a bit of uh, current controversy with him at the moment uh, in regards yeah. to the me too movement but as of yet as of, as from what i've been reading it's not really confirmed yes or no so yeah I'm he's n- he's not harvey weinstein that. yet
1: yeah but
0: right. well we can't uh speculate as to whether he's guilty or
1: not. no no because everyone's innocent until proven, until proven well apparently well
0: no. that's what we hope to say but yeah. I genuinely believe that we shouldn't judge someone no. based on rumors that are circulating things or, like that or about
1: things that they did or said well more more things that they said like 10 years ago
0: yeah but who who cares let's move on from yeah. that in terms of we're not looking at him as a really no we no we're looking uh, at him for
1: life. for the talent that that he's brought to the screen yeah. um and what I do want to talk about actually is is chronicle and yeah. I know we touched on it at the beginning because I remember watching that. I remember seeing the trailer for it, and I remember it was it was kind of grabbed me very similar to Cloverfield because the the trailer for Cloverfield was the the skipping um, picture, the yeah. uh, kind of the the white noise, the scrapping ang- across it, the wonky angle, the wonky angles, which yeah. um, obviously famous from Blair Witch because that obviously completely rejuvenated um, the the film industry when they did that. Yeah, I mean, people genuinely thought those people were dead. Yeah, that, that's how. I don't know, stupid people film, were, or I, I mean, I don't know. Well,
0: you got the um, War of the Worlds radio broadcast that tripped a load of people.
1: It believing. tripped millions of people. Yeah. So, I mean, Orson Welles must have been pissing his pants.
0: Yeah, because that that was hilarious. checking his wallet
1: and well, seeing all that cash go in. Yeah, I know, right? But you know, it, it, when I saw the, because I, I, I vividly remember it because you have. The um they're in the car parking, they're in the, the, the car lot and yep. you've got the you've got the, the, the guy in the red hoodie, he's just kind of walking up to a car and he just grabs it and flings it Into across the space, car park. Yeah, 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 and just chucks this car and it's not like a small car, it's like a big four by four American star, you, yeah. you know, proper American like Dodge Ram or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just literally picks it and lobs it. And I was yeah. like, Oh, hang on a minute.
0: I remember seeing the intro to the to the uh movie trailer and I was thinking oh it's going to be like another Blair Witch it's going to mm-hmm. be another I don't know if um Cloverfield was out by that time I think I don't it probably know. was Let's
1: have a let's have a quick google of it cuz yeah I'm not I think not it was sure. getting to the point where people were sort of like It was 4 years after Cloverfield.
0: Yeah, so it was getting to that point where people were like oh another found footage film it's going to be a horror and then you see it and it's like hang on like these kids aren't dead they're actually alive and they're messing around and doing stuff that kids would actually do with superpowers.
1: Yeah, and that's, but that's exactly what it is. It's kind of like he just sat there and thought... Um, what would I do? What would I
0: do if I had superpowers? If someone was tailgating me and beeping incessantly and flashing lights and freaking me out, what would I do? I'd, I'd probably use my psychic powers to push them off the road sort of thing. Um, yeah, and just generally, uh, it was a really good
1: character-driven film. Yeah. Uh, but but that's what it was. It was also quite dark because it played on the dark side of having the those superpowers. Yeah. That, you know, the more they use it, the the more addictive it becomes and the more their personality changes and the the dark side of having powers. Because you have the, the light fluffy superhero, superman, Batman, whatever. Mm. Um but then you have these teenagers it gave me more of a vibe of
0: what would happen if a school shooter had superpowers yeah yeah cuz it was it was that same sort of broken house situation yeah for Dane DeHaan's character and yeah it was it was troubling to see him like start to like like tear insects apart just like in the air and just stuff just because he
1: could cuz he, he could yeah. and
0: like he was practicing almost but you could
1: literally see in the progression of the film the his thought processes about having the powers, he's mm. gone from an excitable person having these powers to... Killing I'm, his friend, I'm just Yeah, 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 I'm just going to kill you because you've pissed me off. Yeah. And and that's literally it. That's literally, you know, the the journey of that character. And mm. it's, it's very troubling, but you can sit there and think, do you know what, actually, I totally relate to that. I can totally see that happening. mm If it's given to someone.
0: It gives it a way more realistic view than, say, for instance, um, Superman or Batman, where they're suddenly like the noble pillars of society and everyone loves them. Like, Chronicle takes it the other way and goes, well, these kids would A, mess around with it, B, not be responsible with it, and C, like, people would generally just fear them. Yeah. Like, they would be treated like aliens. And for the end part of the movie... I think it's quite evident with like the police that circle around them and stuff, they are treated like they aren't humans yeah. at that point. It's just like, oh, shoot on site sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. And
1: that's exactly
0: That's you know, that's the real that's the more real aspect of what yeah. would actually happen.
1: But you can but the thought process that 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 Max has done for that is mm. obviously you know, he's obviously put serious thought into it yeah. when he's writing the screenplay because to be able to do a film using that Technique as opposed to using the bog standard um hero discovers, su- hero he discovers has superpowers yeah has a it, mentor but also trained. the style in which it's filmed because he would have had to have adapted the screenplay to accommodate that particular style of filming because mm. it is done camcorder style yeah as opposed to glossy normal filming as as a normal film it's done almost like it's done on a handheld camera, yeah, and you there's no way that it would be the same film if it was done like a Justice League or yep. a Man of Steel. It wouldn't be the same film. It wouldn't have the same feel. It wouldn't have the same impact. It would be. It would have a completely different tone and aspect. Yeah, exactly. So he's had to adapt the screenplay to fit that, which I think is immensely clever. To be honest,
0: I think if they were going to redo, you know, the DC stuff and like if we skip back a couple of years to when man of steel was coming out uh, and say chronicle didn't come out i would say that uh, a third person narrative around superman and his like initial glimpses in society of someone filming him with a hand uh like hand uh handheld camera i think that would have been dope um just to see sort of a standard citizen's approach to this guy's flying around the city and saving us like how weird is that? Sort yeah,
1: of thing? a bit like a, a bit like a, a reporter. Yeah, so like I mean, a Jimmy Olsen, like a Jimmy Olsen. But how good would that be though? Doing it from a Jimmy Olsen's perspective? Yeah, would be dope. That would be awesome. The same for for Spider Man. Yeah, I suppose I know that obviously Peter Parker and is you could
0: have like a flip where you don't know who's behind the camera up until it turns around and it's Peter Parker.
1: Yeah, yeah. But how mm. would he be able to? Um, mm. Because he sets the camera up, like yeah, yeah. That, that, this is very, very true. Yeah, this is true. I can't imagine Tom Hollander's Spider-Man no, doing not, that. Not in that. I would look for a more like older
0: um, Spider-Man because I think Tom Holland does a great job at portraying a young Spider-Man.
1: Yeah, you'd need you'd need a Robert Downey Jr. type character person. Maybe well, not more, as old as Chris like the Captain America
0: esque age of when he was, beginning.
1: yeah, 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 that sort of age. I mean, the age that Robert Downey Jr. was ten years ago. <laughs> yeah, when he was, I would say, fresh faced out of rehab, but forty so five, forty ish. Yeah, he's he not. Must,
0: he must uh, be going around fifty now.
1: Is it? Do you reckon? I'm gonna Google. Yeah, Google Robert that Downey. because I, I I don't know how old he is, but yeah, I would say someone in their late thirties early 40s I don't know 43 maybe max I would say where oh he's 53 years old so he would be 43 yeah so he'd be 43 so he was 43 when he did Iron Man he he doesn't look it looks good for his age he does look good for his age but it could it could be someone you know you know RDJ 10 years ago when he first did Iron Man yeah because could you imagine Spider-Man as a 43-year-old man? It'll be an interesting old man Spider-Man
0: angle, a bit like, kind of like a, a weary Spider-Man.
1: It could be almost like a Logan. Dark Knight Rises type Batman. Or a Logan. Or a Logan, yeah. yeah like, staying in Marvel. Yeah, yeah. That's Marvel's best. <laughs> well. Yeah. yeah, well. The movie track-wise,
0: yeah, yeah. Marvel's one.
1: Yeah, I mean, Logan was a bit...
0: Did everyone enjoy watching the Aquaman 5-minute movie because I literally saw it and knew what happened in the movie?
1: No. No.
0: Yeah, there's a 5-minute trailer online. It's a really good trailer. What of
1: the new Aquaman film? Yeah,
0: but it shows the whole movie.
1: What has sped up?
0: What, no, like they've taken all the key moments of the movie and put them in the trailer, and I'm pretty sure I know exactly what how
1: it goes. Just okay. from you know when they spoil everything. Yeah. See, why do trailers do that? Why can't they? Do you know what I'd like to see? Right, the way that they do, like um, Cloverfield Paradox did. It just turned up on Netflix. Like literally. Oh yeah. Surprise. Here so you go. It's be
0: Like oh, I don't
1: want any Marvel movies like Cloverfield no, no, Paradox. No, no, no. but the it's way awful. in which it was it was done, yeah. it was just chucked out there. It was but, almost
0: like. Um, What's it called?
1: It's like they do with. It's like Eminem did with Kamikaze. Yeah, it's just like dropped. It's just dropped. Can you even imagine the hype? A film such as you know, like I don't know, The Flash or a superhero, a big budgeted film Mm. in the cinemas, and everyone was told to keep it completely low key, hush. I know that would be. (laughs) I know it would be difficult, but in the world of Netflix and Amazon Prime, they did it. They've done it. You know, so they could do something like... Can you even imagine that? Where they just say, oh, by the way... It would be insane. It would cause pandemonium. Yeah, like, but, you'd get people going, oh,
0: I can't do my wedding. I've got to go watch Iron w- Man 5. Whatever, whatever it is.
1: But that is how it should be done. That that Instead of doing the <laughs> trailers that just piss people off and yeah. just spoil everything, or the editing is so bad, or good, depending on how you look at it, that... It literally ruins the film. It makes you think one thing, but then you think, well, actually, they've done this before, so it's probably being dubbed over a different scene. Yeah. And I'm talking oh, Star this. Wars here. When I'm they... talking the Star Wars Last Jedi, because that's it's, what they did.
0: Yeah, it's it's one of those things where nowadays they're taking the B-roll footage yep. uh, and they're using that for the trailers instead. And it's not technically the people that make the trailers faults because they're only handed footage and told assemble this into a trailer that will make people excited that's all yeah. they're given um but it's certainly wrong to put stuff from a movie you're never going to see uh in a trailer uh that will raise expectations to see certain things only to yeah. then not see it because rogue one had that in spades yeah. uh the trailer going into the movie because there's a scene where like a tie fighter ri- uh, rises up against a uh, I can't remember what her name is. Jin? I think yeah. it's Jin Erso. Yeah, it's Jin Erso. Yeah. Uh, and Jin Erso's on this bridge, and a TIE fighter raises up and she points a blaster at it. That doesn't happen in the movie. That's a
1: deleted no, scene. That's a deleted scene. It's like women with excessive makeup.
0: <laughs> yeah, it cheats you out of something. Yeah. You, and, you and think that... you're getting one
1: thing, and you're getting a complete
0: yeah. other, and a dirty pillowcase. <laughs> uh, <laughs>
1: Yeah. But it's the same it's the same pretext with the films is that Hollywood seems to have it in their mind at the minute that let's chuck in some of these deleted scenes to make them want to come and watch it. And then it subverts expectations. Of course it does. Because um, they know it's gonna be crap. So they have to chuck in something that they think will be tantalizing enough to, to warrant it. But why don't they just go down the route of, Hey, surprise, we've just released yeah. this multi million sometimes big budget film.
0: The best thing to say is absolutely nothing at all. Absolutely. And um, in terms of uh, just going on, we're still on like a massive tangent. But in terms of subverting expectations, right? There are two prime examples of this. One does it perfectly, and one does it uh, the absolute worst. Uh, Avengers: Infinity War did mm. it perfectly. Yeah. That is the perfect way to subvert expectations and actually have your villain win, uh, yet your and your heroes lose yet still keep people entertained, interested, and looking forward to something. Absolutely. Whereas The Last Jedi ends on a bum note, ruins any fan service that it could possibly provide, and actually spits in the face of a lot of fans. And there's this new um, rumour going around that Russians are... To uh, to blame for all the negative press that the last. Jedi Oh had. God! It, it, do you know what? I'm with sorry, with but anything Russian to do, cannot do that much damage. Anything
1: to do with America at the moment, if it's bad, it's Russians. If it's good, it's America. It's like seriously. Look, the film was dud. That's why it got slammed. There is a reason. Nothing... why I am always
0: so upset about the last Jedi. And I keep bringing the damn thing up. Is because it wasn't written well, uh, and there were a few good scenes in there that showed just how good it could have been, and then it just sky plummeted to the ground. I know, I know. It is it is bad. But but in terms of, like, who should have written that instead of Rian Johnson, I'd have given it to Max Landis. I'd have given it to him. Because, yes, he'd have done something crazy and wacky and insane with something, some element, he would have probably gone a bit nuts on. But at the same time, he would have given you something you would have never seen before, which...
1: Chronicle did, which and which also nice, American Ultra
0: did. Especially considering the Star Wars movies at the moment are just rehashes of the originals. Yeah. Uh, and then it would have been entertaining for another.
1: Yeah, and, you know, that's that's where I think Max Landis' youthful exuberance mm. comes in. I think because... He's a genuine fan of...
0: A lot of the stuff that he writes as well, which is even yeah. better,
1: and because he's he's grown up in the industry, he knows how it works, so he yeah. knows how to shock people. I mean, you've only got to look at American Ultra; that was like ultra violent, yeah, like proper violent. But you wouldn't have expected it when you look at the trailer, no, which it, was only like one minute it five seconds. Like a, a
0: sequel to uh, um, like Superbad,
1: yeah, yeah, it looked very, very similar. It was very. You know, you only saw a very tiny bit of fighting, but nothing like you actually get in the film. And it's a cult mm. classic as well now, American Ultra, because yeah. we spoke about it a couple—must well, be a couple of months ago now—in um, underrated films, I think. Yeah. and and it really, really is an underrated film. It's I put that
0: up with like Scott Pilgrim. Yeah, and yeah. Me, like that's that's the same sort of thing and yeah. same quality. Not really the same. Not
1: the same person. Is no, it's...
0: No, no. no, it's Jesse Eisenberg <laughs> and Michael Cera. Uh, we need to do you. a
1: show <laughs> on. Who's Who done what? <laughs> Who is it?
0: Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, if you said Zombie Land, that that messes me up.
1: I know it's like, I'm uh, like Michael uh, no Jesse uh, Which one is it? No. Yeah. But they are doing a second one of those. But we've gone off on a huge huge tangent. We um, brought him back saying Max Landis should have yeah. done Last Jedi. But you know what, Max Landis for for everything that is happening at the moment, irrespective of that, what is undeniable is the the, the guy young is talented. the young man has talent. And I say young man because he's younger than me, so I can get away with saying that. That old guy. It talent. might it might only be two might only be two years, but he's still younger than me. But he he has talent. He has that exuberance that I think Hollywood have been lacking in a lot of films recently. Mm. Um, when you look at some of the churn that's come out, you just think, oh my god, it's the same sort of stuff. Where is the yeah. originality? And Blood, that's
0: what uh, the Fallen king, Fallen Kingdom, all that.
1: Uh, dinosaur stuff yeah all that stuff it's just like let's just milk what we can but exactly. it, but it's Hollywood it's never going to change but what can change is the, the the style in which screenplays are written and the different techniques that can be used and you know the ability that, that Max Landis has shown to write the films that he has written and the screenplays that he's adapted to, mm. to do are massively uh, exceptional yeah and, and and I honestly think that that is something that, that Hollywood has been missing. So I tip my hat to Max Landis in that in that sense because cause that is that is epic, you yeah. know? And the, the the films that he has done, I would urge you.
0: Personal issues aside, like, the guy is extremely talented. And um, if, if you're interested in writing and you're interested in, like, doing things uh, slightly differently, you should definitely check out some of his stuff on YouTube. Uh, He's got some short films on there about, like, Superman and also... um, I can't remember what the other thing was. Oh, wrestling. Yeah. Uh, But really interesting.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, We're going to have to wrap it up because it's the end of the show already. Um, So thank you all for listening. Massively appreciate it. Check out Field of Force Day videos on at Field of Force Day on Facebook. And um, we will see you all again next week. Week. And uh, be prepared to be Rick Rost. That's right. There is one more thing. It's been emotional.